Today's reading is from Luke 11, 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, thank you that you, that you're good. Thank you that you're here. And um, as the disciples were called, they said, we want to see Jesus. And so that's our prayer today, Lord. We want to see you. We don't want to learn new facts about you. We want to encounter you, God. So I pray that your word, which is alive and active, would fall on good soil, would be planted into our hearts, God, and that you would literally change us right here and right now on the spot, Lord. So God, we just, we, we anticipate your goodness towards us, towards your church, towards our city. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, it's so good to be able to preach this morning with you all. I love I mean, I love the Bible, but I love, like, like, talking about Jesus. I love, like, his particular, you know, quotation marks. You know, they're so good. They're so exciting. They get me, they, get me, uh, they inspire me. And, um, and not to mention, summer is just ending with a bang, right? Like, summer is on fire here in New England. I'm like, man, we're getting the 80s right now. I'm like, I'm stoked. Anyways, I'm just thinking about things to do during the sunshine, but right now, we're going to be locked in, right? Right? Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad that you're here. Um, so we'll get, we'll get right to it. Um, so we as, we as humans, we long for, for connection. And, and if we're honest, if we're honest, and I hope that we're honest, that that's why many of us are here today. Um, we're, looking, we're looking for connection. Whether, whether you're new to the city, 
Whether you've been here for a long time, whether you're born and raised here, like we're looking for connection. We want, we want to connect with people, uh, and particular people, right? Not everybody, we wanna, you know, right? But we want to... <laughs> I don't even know where you stand on certain things. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> or if you like mayonnaise on your sandwich or not, because I don't. Anyway, all right, that's, I'm getting way, way off the point. Um, <laughs> We want to connect with people. We want to connect with people on a deep level. Um, we want to connect with something divine. We want to connect with someone divine. Like the new iPhone 11 that just dropped. I'm just kidding. Um, but seriously, we, when I often meet people, we, we say, I mean, like, hey, that's on your social media. Let's connect on social media. You got an email? Let's get an email. What do we say? Let's connect. I, I send email headings all the time. Connection. Let's connect, right? Because <laughs> that's what we want to do. We wanna, we wanna, that's, not, that's the best word I got for it. Um, that's what we want to do. We want to, to be connected to what's going on in this church and in this city with people in our industry. We want connections. And for many of us, we want connection to something that's, that's bigger. Because we look outside and we know that there's a, a vast universe and there's something more significant for our lives that needs connection. And connection is, is healthy. Connection is necessary for human flourishing. And I, and I believe our longings as humans for connection ask a question. How do we pray? See, because when you look at this story of the disciples, they're, they're walking with the Jesus they're going with him. And what they notice about his life is that he has a deep connection to God, the universe, and all of creation. And the disciples want to know how that life that Jesus lives, that connection that he has, how that can be a part of their lives and their experience. Are you with me? All right, we got two. Um, and Jesus' question, which we're talking, this series is about the question of Jesus, um, comes at the end. And, but his question is spurned on by this question from his disciple. And so just a little context. So Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a teacher. And teachers had a following. And they had, and so when Jesus said, like, hey, you, follow me, he's saying, hey, you can be a part of my, my teaching team. Like, I'm going to teach you how to be like me. I used to live in Brooklyn in a, in a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. And all, all of the, the rabbis would, would dress like their students, and their students would dress like the rabbi because they were dressed like the, the, the bigger rabbi that they had. And they all wore particular derbies and and suits, and you're like, man, what's going on? No, I want to be like my rabbi. So I dress like my rabbi, and I eat with my left hand like my rabbi. I do this like a rabbi. So they want to be like their rabbi. You guys with me? You gals with me? Okay. Um, and so the, the, the disciples have a question for the rabbi, for their teacher. And uh, a good mark of a disciple is to ask great questions. And this is a great question because they want to be marked by the rabbi. They want to have a distinctive Read with me in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he was finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Did you catch that? See, John, Jesus' 
cousin, the one that baptized Jesus, he had disciples and they had a prayer. They had a liturgy. They had a, a mantra. They had a banner. It was a community prayer for that group of teachers, for John the Baptist's disciples. And so many, as we, as we study history, many Jewish groups had their own prayer. They had their own way of expressing corporate identity. Judaism had 18 benedictions and John the Baptist had a prayer for his disciples as well. So his disciples were like, teach us to pray. What's our prayer? How, how are we going to be marked as followers of Jesus? So Jesus in turn, well in turn, Jesus will eventually ask a question with a question, but he does respond to their request. And so here in verses one through four, he basically says, here's a good way to go about prayer. And we famously know this as the, the Lord's Prayer. A better title would be called the Disciples' Prayer. And so you, if you've been around the church long enough, or even not, I mean, they say this in gangster movies, right, the Lord's Prayer. So volumes, <laughs> right, I think DMX prayed on one of his albums. Anyways, <laughs> volumes have been written on the Lord. And if you don't know what DMX is, look it up if you want to get high before church. Anyway, um, Volumes have been written on the Lord's Prayer, and we could teach a whole sermon series and not on the Lord's Prayer, and I would love to, but today we're going to move quickly through the Lord's Prayer to get to the question of Jesus. But this prayer, this disciple's prayer or Lord's Prayer, is a, it's a guide, it's, it's a format. And in addition, it serves to exemplify the attitude of dependence of the prayer, it's meant to reflect the attitude, the dependence of the disciples, because this is the attitude and, and the posture that Jesus had towards prayer. And so the prayer begins with a name. And, and this, is, this is important. This is, and, I, and I think sometimes this passage is super familiar, so it's easy for me to blow past it, um, or even in this prayer, but it begins with, with a name, and, and names are representative of the person. And so in verse 2, it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, when you start, say, Father. One commentary says, the expression goes back to the Aramaic Abba, which combines respect for the Father's authority with a sense of of intimacy. And now I'm reading a whole bunch of commentaries and they're like, it doesn't really mean daddy, you know, someone, because these guys take themselves really seriously and there's no way, but it's respect and intimacy. Abba, respect and intimacy. And see, what, what I want you to get is this is already a dynamic paradigm shift. This is, see, the, the word Abba was familiar, but it was unprecedented to use it in prayer. So he's, Jesus is already kind of like wrecking their world and their understanding of prayer by, by starting it with the word Father. See, they don't struggle with understanding and grasping the authority of God. The Hebrew writers won't even spell out the word and name God. They won't even say it because they have so much reverence. For God and Jesus says, when you start to pray, say Father, say Abba. And so this title, 
father is a special privilege which Jesus allowed and inviting his disciples to use. This is what Jesus called God. This is how Jesus prayed. He would always say, Father, take this cup from your Father. I know that you always hear me. Or Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He, in his intimacy and respect for the Father, always prayed this way. He's inviting his disciples in to this perspective on how to pray and approach God. Are you with me? All right. Um, He goes on in the second part of verse 2. And he says, hallowed be your name. Holy. God is holy. That is set apart, unique. There is none like him. And no one has the authority he possesses but also that his uniqueness should be made known. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You guys have all heard this. On earth as it is in heaven. This is what it means, your kingdom come. Like what's happening in earth, what's happening in heaven, bring that, to, bring that here. Bring that to our reality. Bring that to our world. Not our world into heaven, but God, would you bring your world here now? Would it heaven and earth collide and, and drastically transform things? Your kingdom come. It also means your rule and your reign right here, right now. Your will be done. That's what it means. Your will be done. It's the desire that the creation be restored to its fullness and that sin, injustice, and chaos be banished and replaced with love. That's worth an amen. All right, amen, okay. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Come on, I used to live by the Wonder Bear factory. Come on, you smell some bread. What does that do, what does that do for you? Come on. <laughs> Right, you want, man, give us, some, give us daily bread, fresh, no preservative, non-GMO, gluten-free bread, Lord, right here, Lord. Give us daily bread. Meet our provisions for today, Sunday, September 22nd, 2019. I'm not worried about September 23rd or September 24th. God, right now, today, give us our daily bread. Amen. Amen. That fresh bread, that manna from heaven. Verse 4, forgive us. Our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Forgiveness, the place from which we have peace with God and with one another, and the place in which we extend forgiveness to others because we have been forgiven. Lead us not into temptation. Protection. We are to seek deliverance with God's power. N.T. Wright says that this Lord's Prayer is like a new exodus. God is the deliverer. God is showing himself as the new father for the people of God. And so we depend on him for deliverance. We depend on him for protection. That there's real powers at work in the world that are looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And we say, God, we put on the full armor of God and would you protect us? And so this is the, the body of the prayer. And there's a progression to this passage that we're reading that gets, that 
to the heart of the body of the prayer. See, often when we talk about prayer, for the most part, what we're getting at is a request, right? So what, we, what, do we, what do we talk about when we're talking about prayer? Like, a lot of the time, it's, it's a request. I'm thinking of a, of a request, like I'm, I'm talking to, to a higher power or something bigger than myself, and I'm, I'm coming with some kind of request or, or petition. St. John of Damascene says this, prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God or the requesting of good things from God. So when you think, I want you to think about what you request. And I'm going to say this. What we are willing to request says a lot about what we believe the person is able and willing to do. Think, think about the last ten things you've prayed about. What we're willing to request, we're willing to say, we're willing to, to, to submit says a lot about what we believe the person is able and willing to do. And the same goes for our unwillingness to ask. There's a, there's a hymn on prayer. I'm not going to sing it because the Lord didn't bless me to, to bless people with singing. But I'm going to say, I will say it. It says one stanza from a hymn called Sweet Hour of Prayer. And as, and as I say it, think of Mahalia Jackson singing it. There you go. All right. Now we're there. <laughs> Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Jesus knows that his disciples need more than a prayer model, but a prayer posture. And so in the Jesus way of teaching, he moves into a parable. Verses 5 through 8 in Luke 11. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. This is such a bizarre story. Jesus, what are you getting at? What are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> what is in that communion cup? Um, <laughs> Jesus tells us of a man who has a late night guest. So my rule in my house is like, you got to call before you come. I don't know about your house. <laughs> we got to call before you come, right? Because we got to get prepared. We got to show you our Sunday's best, right? Um, so they didn't have any advanced ways of sending a message and say, I'm on my way. <laughs> So he has a late night guest, and, he got, and, and this person has no provisions, no food, no, not even the ends of the Wonder Bread, like nothing. <laughs> if you flip it and grill it, you can make a good grilled cheese. Anyways, anyways. 
Guests come over, middle of the night, I have nothing to give them. And then Eastern culture was built on hospitality, and the expectation would be that you would feed your guests. And I don't know, and my, my, fam, my mom is from another country, and anytime I go to her, the, my, that side of the family's house, they feed me until I cannot eat anymore. Even if they don't have anything, they will give me tomorrow's food and say, eat, Rashad, eat, 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 eat. Right? Anyone have a family like that? Right? Where you come over and they're going to feed you and your friends and everyone on the block. It don't matter. Eastern culture, to not feed someone, it was a matter of honor. It was a matter of honor to be a good host to visitors. And so for this individual to have a guest come over and not feed them would have been a dishonor to him and his household. And so the host goes to see, go to, goes to his friend's house, <laughs> who's a neighbor. And he goes to his friend's house with a neighbor in the middle of the night, and we can already see why this might be problematic, Right? One, um, this request is highly inconvenient. Two, and there's no list up there. I'm just, I'm just saying that for your benefit. He doesn't know what his neighbor friend has. Unless he's like, unless he went to his rich neighbor friend's house. He's like, I know they always got something in the cabinets. Um, but he's, 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 he's banking that his friend has something to, to give, to, to contribute. Um, it's, it's, it's midnight, so he's probably tired. Um, and also in these homes, there are one room, and a whole family would sleep in one room. And so to even wake up his neighbor to get bread and salami, um, beef salami, they would have to walk over everybody and, and wake them up. And even with all those, and with all those factors, this, this person might be thinking, um, are we that good of friends? <laughs> Right? Can our friendship handle the weight of me knocking on your door in the middle of the night asking for some food to feed my guest? Um, and so Jesus um, says the, a likely scenario in verse 7 that this man would probably say, um, don't bother me. Like, go away. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. Needless to say, to come to this person's house at this hour with this request is bold. Can we agree on that? This is, this is a bold thing to do, to come and knock on someone's house at midnight. I met with my friends, but we had like a secret code and I would go to a different window that wouldn't disturb anyone, but like, bro, you up, let's go. Um, verse eight, I tell you, Jesus goes on, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your because of friendship because that that's not strong enough. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Boldness and persistence is what will cause this person to get up. It's 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 not. This request is beyond their friendship. He's only responding because he's tired of this guy knocking on the door. This is what Jesus is saying. This, his persistence trumped the relationship. And this persistence is audacious. It is absolutely audacious that come to this man's house in the middle of the night, knocking on his door, keep knocking on his door, and asking for a meal to feed his guests. Jesus says, verse 9, so I say to you, 
And now he's, he's switched his pivot and he's looking at his disciples who are asking him how to pray. He's, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For every one who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And so the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. And if we get our verbs right in this passage, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Nothing stopping us from bringing the request. Hebrews 10:19 says, "Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus." And that's the same sentiment, the same power. That word confidence means boldness, 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 and shamelessness. Like we have, Jesus is teaching something about prayer, and it's going to take a boldness and a confidence that you should have because of Jesus to get an audience with God. Anybody with me? I mean, I'm going to put some flesh around this. So I come from um, a culture where it's not okay to knock on my parents' door, um, especially on a Saturday morning, right? Early Saturday morning, it's, it's, a, it's a no-no to knock on my mom's door, uh, especially if it's not an emergency, especially if it's not an emergency that she has to deem as an emergency. So um, <laughs> it's a no-no to knock on my parents' door, my mom's door, especially if I don't get an answer. If I knock on the door like, hey, mom, can I, can I open another box of cereal? If I don't get an answer, that's her way of saying, go away, son. <laughs> if I keep knocking and say, did you hear me? <laughs> boom, boom, hey, mom, like, it, it will be bad. It will, like, I don't know what your household was like, but I, it's pretty common in black homes, like, like you, just don't, you don't barge in, you don't keep knocking, like if your parents say, don't go away, go away. All right. <laughs> so this, this, this parable is not solely about persistence alone, but persistence of a request at an inopportune time. It's not that you're just being persistent. You're being persistent at a time that is not convenient. And this is why Jesus asked his question to his disciples. And essentially what he's, going, what he's saying, his question is, who do you believe God to be? Verse 11 in Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, We'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. He's looking, he's looking at these young disciples and he says, Which of you fathers? So I want, I want, you, to, I want you to point, point this question to yourself. And if you're a parent, think of your child. If, you, if you're not a parent, think of someone that you dearly love and care about. I want you to ask this question. If the person that you deeply care about, whether it's your, your own child, son or daughter, or someone that you deeply love like family, 
were to ask you for a fish, would you give them a snake? Or ask you for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Do you, th- you think that a good, a, a decent parent would give their kid a stone for bread or a water snake? And see, Luke didn't, doesn't record their, their response in the passage here, but it's, it's assumed that none of these fathers would do this. One commentator says it this way, this is a story not to illustrate God's reluctance to answer our prayers, but his willingness. This is called a contrasting parable. It is a fictitious account to highlight mankind's reluctance, but God's willingness. So I have, um, I have five kids. Um, you're like, whoa, how old are you? Um, <laughs> And um, the, other, the other day, like, <laughs> this is so funny. I ordered, I ordered my son um, some Laker socks. Don't boo me, all right? Don't, don't at me right now. I know, you, I know I'm in South the country. And um, they came, they're Kyle Kuzma socks, and he was, like, rocking them. And I, and I was, like, in the car of life. I go, I'm so stoked right now. I'm so, like, this brings me so much joy to give him these, like, $4 socks that I bought online and just to see like how, how, how much joy it brings him to wear these Kyle Kuzma socks. <laughs> and, I was just, and I was just thinking about like how much joy that I have as a parent to be able to give things to my kids that I know that they will love, that I know that will, that will mark them for life, to know that to say like, man, guys, I love you. And if, if I had more, I'd give you more. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even understand what I would do for you. You don't even understand, like, how more blessed I am by giving this to you. And then, and then there's times, especially with my oldest, where I find out that, that she had needs. And, and I find out later, I go, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that you needed help with tuition? Why didn't you tell me that you needed like some groceries, or why don't you tell me that you were short? And this, I, I didn't think I could come to you, or I didn't know how you would respond, or I didn't, the biggest thing is I didn't want to bother you. And I was like, what makes you think that? It is my joy that you come to me for the things that you really need. I don't need you to come to me with your sufficiency. I love for you to come to me as you are, with, with where you're at. Jesus is asking this question. If your son asks, like, what would you give them? And he, it, what he's doing here is he causes us to wrestle with our paradigm of who we believe God to be. Who, who do you believe God to be. And, and for many of us, and, and for mo- a lot of my life, I thought this that God was just a, a tyrannical, cold curmudgeon. I just thought that, that God is so lofty and holy that He doesn't want to be bothered with my request. He doesn't have time for that. He's, he's solving mysteries of the universe. 
doesn't care if my mail card has money on it. And there's sometimes where we have this perspective of God that we don't approach him with the things that our heart really longs for. And I just want to say this to you. You are not an imposing guest. You are not an orphan who's putting God in an imposition. Brennan Manning says this in Abba's Child. Um, Jesus says, acknowledge and accept who I want to be for you. A savior of boundless compassion, infinite patience, unbearable forgiveness, and love that keeps no score of wrongs. Quit projecting onto me your own feelings about yourself. At this moment, your life is a bruised reed, and I will not crush it. A smoldering wick, and I will not quench it. You are in a safe place. God, what Jesus is saying is God is even better than that neighbor who answered your request because of your persistence. (laughs) Jesus ends with asking rhetorical questions to sum up everything that he's talking about in regards to prayer. Verse 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The the depth and the manner of the request should match the depth and heart of the requested. The depth and the manner of the request, how you ask. The, the, the big ask, whatever it is, it should, it should match who you think God is. Oswald Chambers says this, prayer is not only asking but an attitude of, of mind which produces the atmosphere in which asking is perfectly natural. Like, Jesus, man, Jesus is preaching right now. Jesus is teaching right now. He's saying... This should be normal. Not just on a, a one-off occasion, God, if you do this, I'll follow you and I'll never ask you for anything again. That's not what he wants. He's saying, uh, first of all, that the name, Father, we're, we're in relationship and you can come to me at an inopportune time. You can come to me with your persistence. You can come with me with, when you, with anything. If you're out of bread, if you're out of this, if you're out of your mind, if you're at your wit's end, whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, you can come to me. There's no such thing as an inopportune time with me. You with me? I don't know if the neighbor gave the man leftovers, spoiled milk, <laughs> but I know that God gives good. And, and what Jesus, I, I think, wants to impart into his disciples is he's more like a loving father, but way better. And if the patriarchal language is is a stumbling block, I I hope that you can see or believe in the loving nature of God. 
because we all don't have the, the best examples. I was raised in a single, with a single mom, so um, th- there's times where God has to rearrange and say, quit important, importing relationship that you've encountered in the world with earthly fathers with me. And by God saying, address me as father, he's not only telling us about who he is, he's telling us how he views us as his children. Maybe the question of prayer is, do you know first that you are God's child? God's child, full of, full of wonder, full of joy, full of innocence, full of truth, full of purity, full of belief. To this day, my kids think I'm an awesome athlete. <laughs> then you see one little picture, one little trophy, go, man, my dad was awesome. <laughs> that will wane. Um, <laughs> You know that you're God's child, and there's this level of simplicity in approaching God. St. Therese of Lisieux says this, Prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look toward heaven. It is a cry of of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. The question, how much more will. The question is an invitation into something far deeper that the disciples could have ever imagined. O'Hallsby in his book of prayer says this, to pray is nothing more involved than to open the door, giving Jesus access to our needs and permitting him to exercise his own power in dealing with them. And so I think our posture is, let's open the door. Let's, op- let's open the door because Jesus says that he's promised his spirit. That's no small thing. That's not a consolation prize. That's not being the runner-up on prices Right. He gives us good things. He gives us his spirit He gives us daily bread, protection, and giving us his spirit is is himself. It's the deepest of all connections that we long for. Sometimes we hear powerful words over and over, and they, they diminish in our understanding. And I just, as we end, I just want to pull us back in to sit and ponder that the God of the universe that allows you to approach him and also fills you with good things and fills you with himself. So hear this as we end. God is Father. Persistently and shamelessly come to him with your real self, with your real stuff. He will not turn you away. He will exceed your expectations. He has given us his own spirit 
inside of us, to comfort, to remind, to stir up, to cry unto deep, to pray on our behalf. His spirit inside of us is an indicator of our belovedness, of our adoption. And by Jesus saying, God's father and you're a child, hear this, you're a child in good standing. And as a child of good standing, that's our posture in prayer. You're a child in good standing with a loving God who gives good. Let's pray. Father, we just we echo the prayer of Jesus. You are Father in heaven. Your name is holy.